You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. And good morning to you. Or if you're listening in the evening, good evening. Or the mm. afternoon. Oh, wow. At whatever time of day it is, mm. good whatever that is. How's about it? To you. Yeah. We're here on KACL. <laughs> All right. Couldn't resist. Is that actually the Fraser Station? KACL, Seattle? Yeah, I think so. It sounds right to me. I think it is. But you said it with confidence, so I'm bought in. We I can do say. whatever. Yeah. It is amazing how frequently. If someone just says something like they know what they're talking about mm-hmm. without any doubt, or if they act like they're supposed to be somewhere, yeah. even if they're not, just kind of just take that for granted. You're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, this is fine. It actually unsettles me, yeah. especially just in like in theological realms. If you say it with confidence or it has the right familiar words and I can slip right by. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Something's. Yeah. It's too easy. It actually freaks <laughs> me out. <laughs> Someone accidentally channeling the ancient Greek pagan philosopher Plotinus by saying, oh, yes, well, the persons of the Trinity emanate from God. Like, See? It's like you just say the confident, but you're like, wait that's a minute. So, it's so yeah. subtle. I would feel Hold like up. Ligonier came up with that. Just, <laughs> just to trick me. Do you agree with the statement, the persons of the Trinity emanate from God? Like, Oh, yeah, okay, of course. Sweat. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> What do you mean by emanate? <laughs> yes. mm. Anyway, we would, we'll just say that like you sh- if anyone asked you that question, you would not say they emanate from God. Yeah, <laughs> just, not just, a good choice. Just, yeah, just, just fun fact. <laughs> don't, don't channel Plotinus. <laughs> yeah. Advice I didn't think I would hear this morning. Yeah, that's right. You know, no one came prepared for that. You know, you thought you were just coming to listen to a random banter. Well, sometimes we just throw in a random bit of, you know, how often will you <laughs> encounter that in a conversation? Probably not often. Possibly never. But now if you do... You're ready. If you come up against some subtle, sly, neo-gnostic, you are ready. <laughs> A Platonian disciple. <laughs> You're like, guess what? My answer is strongly disagreed, buddy. <laughs> <sighs> My body is ready. <laughs> I've been trained for this moment. <laughs> well, anyway, you're doing well? I am ask. pretty well, I, I would assume, I think, as far as I know. All those caveats, <laughs> love them all. Love how them all. Are, how are you? I'm feeling great. Good. Today, recording day, the high is going to be... 73. Oh my word. I took a walk this morning and it was perfect. The temperature was marvelous. Great walking weather. Yeah. Feeling good. Yeah. You know, you remember an episode we did on the church calendar way back when, you know, we're in the season of Lent right now. So Mm -hmm. observing that, doing that stuff, Good. you know, which is fun is not an appropriate word probably to describe. Doesn't sound like it. The Lenten season, but it's good. Good. It's good for me. (laughs) You know, the way. uh, In that moment when our (laughs) eyes met, I'm like, which one of us is he convincing? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, oh, I swear yeah. it's good. Yes, it's it's good for me. It's good for me. Uh, oh well. But anyway, you know, I feel good. I feel yeah. fine. Well, Etc. All those caveats. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you can ask for. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay. Well, today, speaking of state of theology, Ligonier. You mentioned Ligonier. Yeah, you alluded to Ligonier. Yes, I did. We're, we're just a in few it. minutes ago. We're in it. In this next installment of our state of theology miniseries, we examine a more I think, straightforward statement that mm-hmm. I don't think it'll raise too many eyebrows, Unlikely. but, but yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's one that still has a, a slightly surprising result within the survey. And like every statement they've made, it opens itself to helpful discussions to refine yeah. and define. So the statement we're considering today is 
Every Christian has an obligation uh-huh. to join a local church. Uh-huh. Okay. Look at that. So. Look at that smile on his face. You guys can't see the smile, but that's a smile that Ethan oh. uh, he puts on when he's yeah. he's ready to, <laughs> to, be to say his piece. Yes, we love it. We're here um, to have a good time. I Not just, only to have a good time, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I just don't love the wording. Mm-hmm. And as per usual, my issues generally just come down to connotations. Sure. I think if I had to submit answers to Ligonier, this is where I might start to become a little contrarian. Like, yeah, I sure. don't know, guys, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when I hear that, like, I think, what ruling council is filling out my report card on this? I'm obligated. <laughs> All right. Like, I feel like that's such a kind of a lifeless picture to paint compared to how the New Testament talks about community. I'm going to use mm-hmm. the word community because mm-hmm. it's full yes. of life. Mm-hmm. I think even Hebrews like 1025, which I feel like we have to hit. Sure. It feels like an exhortation. And there's just a different posture in that that I find myself easily I, i'm ready to appreciate you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then i think like okay if we're wording this right if i'm remaking their survey in my own image <laughs> <laughs> which is what i feel like i'm doing sometimes i feel like like why not a community of faith is an essential part of the christian life easy win easy win sure. to me and, and i feel like ultimately we're asking the same question or we're pointing to the same result like the practical result is the same you just don't sound like an angry parent this way <laughs> um and and I think like the New Testament kind of assumes this. Sure. Actually, yeah. which is maybe where all of this goes up in the air for me. Like their language, my language, maybe none of that even matters because like Paul sure. just takes this for granted. Like, of course, guys, this yeah. is like how we live out yeah. our faith together. Yeah. And, and it's just an interesting way to phrase that. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. No, no, no. I think everything you're saying completely understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, for example, I think if you look at the New Testament, Paul, if he was asked like, oh, is it, do you join a local church or do you want to word it like, okay, it's like if he was asked to word it either way, like, oh, yeah. should you be obligated to join a local church or do we want to word it as join a community of faith? He would be like, what? <laughs> Does that make sense? He'd be like, I don't understand yeah. the like the divi- like for yeah, him those both they're both entailed in one another. I think the word that I get down to is obligation. Sure, and I think I just don't like the connotation to it, even though I think you ought to. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. I think we get yeah. fussy around the way something might be worded. Yeah, even though to your point, it's like, oh yeah, like the, we, you can we read want that the and know. Result. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so some of that, I think, again, yeah, like you will never find. So here's just a fun fact before we press on the discussion. Mm-hmm. There is no explicit command. And this is true of a lot of things in scripture. But there's no explicit command that says, now you must enroll in the membership role of a Local church. Those exact words. Yeah, I think that's You do kind not of find in the scripture. Where I'm coming from. Um, but again, exactly to your point, which is very well said, I thought. Oh, the New thanks. Testament just, it is like so much the assumption of, yeah. it's like almost just like, like, why would I need to say that? Like, of course, like these letters that I've written are written to uh, yeah. your church. Exactly. Like, you know, like it's, this letter was written to the church in Ephesus. This letter is to the church at Corinth. This one's to the church at Rome. So yeah, like I think you could, yeah. you know, I think we've done this with every statement yeah. in the survey, to be fair. So we're not doing anything new here. Yeah. You know, we're not, we talked about, you know, you being contrarian, but like, yeah, we, no, like I, we've both done that, you know, it's so it's fun, but we do, I think both want the same practical result. Absolutely. Everyone sure. wants a, yeah. that. And, and I did say the results were slightly surprising and I choose the word slightly because the feedback here among Christians, I think is a little more encouraging than other statements we've considered thus far. Really? You know, if you take it, so if you take the statement just as it is, or if you're like, oh, like we qualify, we want to word it this way and yeah. we're trying to get to the same thing. When we consider the general U.S. population, 56% of adults disagree with the statement. And here's what's interesting about that to me. This is the general U.S. population. We're not talking about 
necessarily professing Christians here. Right. But 56% of adults disagree with the statement that every Christian has an obligation to join a local church, That's which is interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, like you're commenting on they don't think we have a faith to. group that like you're yeah. not a part of. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's inter- that's just interesting to me. And I guess, you know, to be expected. Like, okay, sure, you know, however you're going to answer that, whatever. But amongst professing Christians, 68% agree with the statement every Christian has an obligation to join mm. a local church. Nearly 70. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you're talking about, like, yeah, 7 out of 10. I would be take. extremely interested in why, like, that 30% answered the way they did. Yeah. Like, are they like me and just causing problems? Yeah, for no <laughs> they're reason? just like, could I word this different? Like, I'm not yeah. sure based on the wording what I... What I think about that, because here's something else to keep in mind, is that some people, depending on your background, have a different understanding of what the term local church means. Oh, that's a good As opposed point. to, yeah. so like, if you're thinking, oh, local church means there is one type of church that I grew up in where everything was done X way, mm-hmm. and I've, I don't think that was in line with scripture. Okay, yeah. But that's the only understanding you have. Then you may think, wow, it would be better to be a part of something different mm-hmm. than part of that. Yeah. And of course, what we want to say is, well, no, like, scripture defines the contours of what a local church is. And if a given local church is out of step with that, mm-hmm. then that's their problem, not <laughs> scripture's problem. So all that to say, here's what this kind of tells little me, is that in general, when it comes to a view of the local church, Christians are doing pretty well. They're not doing as poorly, <laughs> generally speaking, connotations in mind. Pick your topic. Yes, yeah. as we perhaps might think. Because if we take these results seriously, you know, roughly two out of three or seven out of 10, whichever way you want to, you know, broach that, they would say, yeah, you ought to be in a local church. Like you ought to be part of a community of faith, which by the way, let me give a definition of a local church. Okay, okay, great. Because I'm realizing now, I don't think I have in my notes here any definition of that, okay. like explicitly. And it would probably be helpful for us to have an idea of that so that mm-hmm. way we know what we're dealing with. So when we talk about joining a local church, and I imagine this is what Ligonier is thinking when they use the term. A local church would be a community of Christian faith that is led by set-apart people, ordained. They're ordained to lead the church in the right preaching of the scriptures, Mm -hmm. the right administration of the sacraments, and the right practice of church discipline. Okay. We are even just already, just by the way you said that, assuming an embodied gathering. Okay, Yes. We'll talk more about that here shortly. Okay, cool. Yes. Like you are physically in some way face-to-face with, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, you know these people, they know you. And that doesn't rule out the possibility of like temporary separation. Like just because you couldn't meet with your church for you know, a couple weeks because you were sick or something like sure, that. So like, yeah. well, now you're out of membership with the church. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, of course. that's not how that would work. But it does assume the embodied aspect of it, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But okay. as it is, there's our definition. You yeah. know, church is led by ordained folks who rightly preach the scriptures, rightly administer the sacraments, and rightly practice church discipline. Now, naturally, I find all that encouraging because I would probably guess that maybe one out of three Really? Or maybe two out of four, if I was being really optimistic. I actually think I agree with you. You know? Yeah. Whereas you actually get, you know, two out of three, seven out of 10, Mm. closer to that number, you know, getting into the 70% range. So I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. I do think there is, again, another topic for another time, but there is a sort of a retrieval renaissance. I don't know which word I want to use, but like a recovery of the fact like Christ was incarnate. And so there is something important to the body. Like we're not part of this Gnostic, like ethereal religion. And we're not going to go to a disembodied heaven when we die. Like our faith and the new world that we are awaiting mm. is all going to be embodied. Yeah. And so there's something of that that needs to even be like continually reflected now. Yeah. And I think there's been a recovery of that. I don't want to say especially in our generation, but I really? mean, that might be true. Like I do think our generation is really 
into that. Hmm. I, I'm going to say that anecdotally. Okay. I don't. They didn't do it. <laughs> there's there's nothing in the state of theology survey on that. Like I said, another topic for another time. Moving on. Obviously, I think it would be best, you know, if all three out of three Christians, you know, agreed with the statement. <laughs> they were thinking like, yeah, this is important. We we ought to do this. There's a sense in which this is presupposed in the Christian life, and you ought to do it. But as other wise men have said, God takes us from where we are, not from where we ought to be. Hmm. And so this is a result I think we should run with that we've got two out of three, seven out of 10, you know, roughly Christians who are behind this because scripture is pretty clear that membership, involvement, however you want to frame that in a local church is crucial for our Mm. spiritual health. Mm. And with the presupposition, you know, you mentioned Hebrews 10, 25, like there is an exhortation to do this. Mm -hmm. So like, that's an obvious verse though, right? Like that's one that like, if you, you know, like people that are in, and you know, I mean, we ought not roll our eyes at scripture. Maybe we can roll our eyes at people and how they apply scripture. But you know, (laughs) I think it can be tempting to hear that Uh, verse and you know, just kind of do like, oh yeah, yeah, like I get it, I get it. But there are, I think also less obvious verses. Hey, okay. That reinforce this. So like, let's stay in the book of Hebrews. You got Hebrews 13, 17, which says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hmm. So this verse presupposes a couple of things, and we'll just highlight them briefly. One is that as a Christian, you have leaders whom you know and who know you who are providing spiritual instruction and direction for you. And so when he says, obey your leaders and submit to them, that is assumed within the context of they are rightly handling scripture and rightly administering the sacraments and doing all that. That's a great clarification. Right? It's not just like... We've all seen it burn, so... Yes. Like, don't... (laughs) I won't mention any names, but like, (laughs) if somebody's... In a position of church authority and they're telling you to do something that is clearly contrary to what God has said in scripture. Not only do you not need to listen to them, you are, I will use that strong word, under an obligation to obey God. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Rather than... Good use of that word. Men. Yeah. You know, but it still does presuppose that, you know, you are involved in a church that has these kinds of leaders. That's true, Whom you know, they know you, they're providing spiritual instruction and direction for you. Two, these leaders will one day give account for you. Oh, boy. So they had better take that job seriously, which means consequently that they're also going to reinforce the importance of being part of the church. Is this a way for you to tell me that you're biased? <laughs> As the Vantillian joke goes, not all biases are bad. Only bad biases are bad. <laughs> no, but like, so like if I run into someone at Walmart mm-hmm. and they've historically been part of the church and I've not seen them for like four or five weeks for whatever reason, yeah. I may be like, hey, yeah. like, man, where you been? Like, I, you know, why don't you come on back? I missed wow. you. Not only because hopefully genuinely I've missed them, but also, and this will sound a little bit like I'm trying to like, I'm not, this is not a self-pity thing, but it's like when I read a verse like this, it gives me pause and think, I'm going to have to give an account mm-hmm. for Oh, yeah. This person who calls Horizons Church I don't, home. I don't envy you at all. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, so if I take that job seriously, like, oh, yeah, well, if I'm going to even account for you, I want you to be receiving Christ and his benefits in the worship of the church. So, like, yeah, like, yeah. you know, come on back. So, anyway, so, yes, that's the second thing. And then third is it's better for everyone, which includes not only the leaders, but it also includes those who are a part of the church. It's better for us if we all obey God's instructions about this and do so with joy, because again, that's just it's just for our advantage. Like mm. God set this all up for our benefit. Yeah, for sure. Right? But in addition to all this, I think what I found most compelling about worshiping with the church and pushing through the inconveniences and frustrations that can come along with that, because those exist, right? Mm, like yeah, we've talked about that absolutely. In the podcast. You're not scoring points by uh, pretending... <laughs> You know, that like, oh, yeah, no, 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 like, this is always awesome and it's perfect and I never have any problems with anybody. Like, like we we do. And the the thing is, is like, are you willing to work through them? Exactly. But what I found more compelling 
most compelling, I should say, about worshiping with the church is the way that the author of Hebrews, and he's getting a lot of airtime today, um, <laughs> the way he frames the church's worship in one of my favorite passages. Because, you know, when you come to like the commands and exhortations of scripture, a mere ought doesn't typically do the trick. And I can say that because God doesn't give us mere ought. This is interesting. Like C.S. Lewis will talk about how Christ motivates our obedience by unblushing promises of reward. And we've imbibed Kant so much, Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, who taught that, no, you should only do something from a completely disinterested, completely like, I have no feelings about this kind of a way. Mm. Like, that's the only kind of pure act. Okay, so that's what I feel like the statement sounds like. Yeah, it sounds more like a Kantian. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. no, yeah. this is interesting. Yes, and so Kant is wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, I mean, Jesus is always motivating people with a promise of reward. Like, uh, rejoice when you're reviled for my name's sake because your reward is great in heaven. He says, you know, in Luke, you have entered into the kingdom. You've endured all these things. You've done what I've asked. I myself will put on the garment of a servant and I will serve you. Mm. As a reward. Like he's always motivating us with that stuff. Yeah. So again, that was a little bit of a side trail to come I, back to worship, right? Yeah. So when we think about, do I really want to wake up and get the kids dressed and do all this? And I'm going to have to see that person who kind of gets under my skin sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. Like, you know, however you want to frame it. Yeah. I love the way the worship of the church is framed in Hebrews 12, 18 through 24, because here's what it says. He's describing the worship of the church. You have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So he's describing what happened at Mount Sinai when yeah. the, God gave the covenant to the people of Israel, right? Like that was, we might say, if not the pinnacle, one of the pinnacles of the religious life of Israel. Yeah. What he says instead, starting in verse 22 about the church is, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And you think about what is actually happening, though you can't see it. (laughs) And he acknowledges that. You can't see this. Mm -hmm. You've not come to what can be touched or seen. But what you are coming to, really, truly, when you sit in your chair and you're listening to somebody preach and you're singing the songs and people are off key and whatever, is the angels in their myriad countless myriads worshiping day and night like we're constantly late (laughs) to worship in that sense like we're always late to the party because they're doing that the souls of the dead in christ are doing that Mm. and jesus is there and that's what's really happening and if you can like get your head around that why would i want to miss out on that like i i want to receive that because even if i can't see it or touch it it is doing something to my heart and my soul that is going to make a difference both now and is fitting me for the day when i do see and touch I just find that very compelling myself. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, it reminds me in like stark contrast of the way it's characterized in the screw tape letters. Uh, Yes. We just recently did an episode on. Yeah. There's just these super strong parallels Mm -hmm. or cross it you know what i mean yes right what a what a fascinating way to to shape that and and envision it yes exactly because as screw tape said you know what we see is again the guy whose shoes squeak or people singing off key and this little program that's like man why is the font so small you know whatever (laughs) and what they all see is the church spread out across time and space like an army terrible with banners Mm. and 
that's what we're really joining in and are a part of. I want to receive that blessing and I just, I could gush all day and I'm not going to because (laughs) this is a podcast episode. We only have so much time. So all that to say, thank you for listening. And if you found this helpful, you know, this Mm -hmm. is encouraging to you and you want to leave us an honest five-star review that you cannot see or touch us, you know, right now because we're, this is all just audio right here. (laughs) You can do that in the Apple podcast platform. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.